Welcome to Deep Roots, a project of Cortez Community Radio. Deep Roots is an examination of contemporary environmental issues and traditional knowledge and culture. In this edition, producer Annie Rosenberg receives insight into a decades-old family tragedy from what seemed like a chance encounter. This is her story of Owl Wisdom. I could feel that early morning frost on my nose and I could see it on our bedroom windows. It was still dark and I didn't want to get out of bed. I pulled the duvet up to my chin and closed my eyes. Art, who's always ahead of me, was already dressed and downstairs. I heard the kettle. On New Year's Day, we go down to the beach at sunrise. It's our family's tradition. We talk about letting go of things from the past and then think about what we want to bring into the new year. At that moment, while still in bed, I had no idea how a collision in death, minutes after I woke up, would change the course of that day and in some ways, my life. Art woke Esther. She was excited about going to Spanish banks to watch the sun rise. She was home from Berkeley for Christmas. We had the perfect holiday with Art's mother, Muriel, and brother, Bill, and now it was just the three of us. After almost 30 years with Art, I'm still getting used to this idea of celebrating Christmas. I grew up in a Jewish home. Our daughter, Esther, celebrates both Christmas and Hanukkah, and I guess I do now, too. We never mix symbols in our home until recently when Art's mother began coming to our place to celebrate Christmas rather than the three of us going to her home, the home where Art grew up in Salmon Arm. When she moved out of her house, she packed up the Christmas tree ornaments and gave them to us. Now I look forward to decorating our tree. I love hearing the stories about the ornaments. One of my favorites says, Baby's First Christmas, 1989, which was given to Esther. Many are much older than that one. Art went out to warm up the car and scrape the frost off of the windows, while Esther and I filled our cups with hot oolong tea to take with us to the beach. Art turned the car around to drive west towards the woods. A few blocks down the road, over the speed bumps in front of St. George's School, our tea spilled and we asked Art to please slow down a little. We rounded the corner and we were driving north along Imperial Drive. That's my favorite street in the city because it's right in the woods with no houses on either side, and yet one is seconds from 16th Avenue. It's a country road right in the middle of Vancouver. There's something really unique about it. As we were driving along, Art and I both saw a large bird flying to our left, going in the opposite direction, rather low to the ground along the edge of the woods. Art recently told me he knew it was an owl by the thickness of its neck and the feathers. I had no idea what it was. I just thought it was a huge, low-flying bird. I only saw it out of the corner of my eye. It was flying south as we drove north. Suddenly, changing direction, flying east, it swooped in front of our car, and we collided with a huge bang. 
I can still feel that loud thump in my heart as I'm writing this and the tears are coming to the surface. Art circled back and jumped out of the car and ran towards the bird. I wasn't sure what he was doing. I imagined we had killed it. I was frozen. I couldn't move. By the time I had some feeling back in my body, Art was nowhere to be seen. He had picked up this big ball of feathers and he was charging back towards us. I knew he was running and yet somehow it seemed like slow motion. I wasn't quick to take the bird. I think I was in shock. Maybe I was afraid. Art asked me to get into the driver's seat. He held the bird like you see a parent holding an infant on his lap while a plane is taking off. As we began to race towards the animal emergency shelter, at least that's where the car was going, I was at the wheel, but my molecules were somehow behind us at the location where we collided. I wasn't in my body. Far from it. Art and Esther told me later that day, I kept saying, breathe, breathe. Breathe. Esther was in the back seat using her phone to find the directions to the animal rescue shelter. It was New Year's Day, so it wasn't easy to find a location that was opened. Art held the bird closely, which I definitely knew was an owl now. I could see it breathing in his arms. My heart was racing and so was the car. We drove through the very dense fog on the very frosty roads. Thank goodness there were very few cars on the road that early on New Year's Day. We turned around when Esther discovered that the 24-hour clinic on Fur at 4th was the right place to go. The woman on the phone from the clinic told us to try to conserve the owl's energy. For some reason, those words calm me too, and still do. I forgot the part a few minutes before when we pulled over because the owl had woken and seemed to come to life. Art got out of the car at the corner after I jumped out to open the door for him and for the owl to see if she, assuming it was a she, would fly, but she couldn't fly. We got back in the car and made our way to the animal hospital. Art was familiar with the back entrance because he'd taken our 14-year-old wolf Malamute cross there with Esther when Mochi was dying. Esther jumped out and ran to the front door. Minutes later, a woman wearing big protective suede gloves, carrying a plaid blanket, came out to meet us. It was reassuring to see her, and at the same time, I was worried about handing over our owl. She wrapped the owl tightly in the plaid blanket. I remember thinking that plaid blanket was perfect for our owl. Art's Mackenzie, he wore a kilt to our wedding. Tartan's always been in our lives together. Somehow, a plaid blanket seemed to be fitting and even reassuring. The young woman told us that the Bird of Prey rescue people would be there very soon. She encouraged us to leave. We got back in the car and continued to the beach for our sunrise walk and New Year's Day ritual a little later than we'd planned. The fog was lifting and the sun was coming out. My heart was with the owl we had left behind. That was all I could think about, the owl we had left behind. The sky was pink, and there was a stunning reflection on the water. Art and Esther walked ahead of me on the frozen sand while I took some photos. We found out later in the day that the precious and magnificent Barda owl that swooped in front of our car had died. At that moment, it felt like something within me took flight. Cortez Island is a sacred place that lies at the north end of the Salish Sea. 
I've been able to grieve great losses on Cortez. I face the death of my father on Cortez Island and continue to mark his annual death day there. I retreat and remember the brilliant man who taught me how to trust my heart and maybe almost as importantly, how to ride a two-wheeler. At my father's shiva, which is a time for mourning for close family, we read this poem. It reminds me of Cortez and how the forest held me while I was grieving. I returned to Cortez after our New Year's Day collision. When great trees fall, rocks on distant hills shudder. Lions hunker down in tall grasses and even elephants slumber after safety. When great trees fall in forests, small things recoil into silence, their senses eroded beyond fear. When great souls die, the air around us becomes light, rare, sterile. We breathe briefly, our eyes briefly see with a hurtful clarity. Our memory, suddenly sharpened, examines gnaws on kind words, unsaid, promised walks never taken. Great souls die, and our reality, bound to them, takes leave of us. Our souls, dependent upon their nurture, now shrink, wizened. Our minds, formed and informed by their radiance, fall away. We are not so much maddened as reduced to the unutterable ignorance of dark, cold caves. And when great souls die after a period, peace blooms, slowly and always irregularly. Spaces fill with a kind of soothing electric vibration. Our senses, restored, never to be the same, whisper to us, they existed, they existed, we can be, be and be better, for they existed. And that's by Maya Angelou, When Great Trees Fall. The wise women on Cortez met with me. We sat in a circle at the boathouse, looking out at Twin Islands, and called in the spirit of the owl. I felt such insight, clarity, and wisdom as Naomi, Sashika, and Denise spoke. These women were my guides. Great spirit, hear our voices today. We've come here to speak our truth, our wisdom, tell our stories, honor the spirit of the owl, the owl who sees through the darkness, has keen sight, represents wisdom, death, endings, beginnings, we're here to celebrate the spirit of our owls here in the forest of Cortez, knowing that they have teachings for us. And through telling our stories, we share our wisdom. Welcome, spirit of the owls, welcome. Thank you, Naomi. I can really feel that. So, um, as, um, as you know, on January 1st at dawn, this past January, uh, we were driving to a ritual in Vancouver through the woods, and we 
collided with an owl. It was at dawn in a frosty morning, and we collided with a beautiful barred owl. And the owl ended up not surviving, and um, I wanted to understand that experience more fully, and I came to Cortez to help um, understand what that meant and these women around me are the women that helped me to understand um, important things in my life and that's why we're here so um, I, I wanted to ask Naomi about her owl stories and um, I know that that they'll shed light on this experience. Thank you for asking me. The owl has shown up in my life on, in many ways and in many forms. And living in the forest on Cortez, a single woman, um, you get a chance to be really intimate with your surroundings and your nature, and things take on a greater importance than when you're busy out in the city doing other work. So in the forest, you have time to hear you have time to dream, you have time to um, understand things that might not normally be understood. So in my life, I was at this time where the owl kept showing up, I was going through what it was like to be alone in the forest. And it was lonely. And I was living there. But I was dealing with my loneliness a lot and my purpose in life. And on a number of occasions, I'd take little forays, little road trips away from Cortez. And when I did, I would always find roadkill. <laughs> and so a lot of them were owls. They were great horned owls. They were barred owls. And we would stop the car. I was driving with my partner, Doug, and we would stop the car and we would gather these owls and we would bring them home with us and do ceremony with them and make prayers with them. And But it was becoming a little bit too much. Like there was too many times that the owl was coming up and I would do the research. I would start to learn about the owl in a variety of different ways, reading about it. And a lot of it was around death. And so then I wondered what that meant for me is, am I going to die? Are, are my relatives dying? Um, the, the story I heard my owl, the owl call my name, which was a, a Canadian novel, was big on that. And if you heard the owl call your name, then, you know, you were going to go on. And it, there was fear for me around gathering these owls in my life. You are listening to Deep Roots on CKTZ Cortez Community Radio, an examination of environment and traditional knowledge and culture. Because so many owls kept coming to me, a friend of mine was working with a medicine man in Pennsylvania, and she told him the story about how many owls were showing up in my life, and he called me from Pennsylvania. And I'd never met him before, but I'd heard of him, and so we had this long conversation, and I picked up the phone, he said, hi, this is Ed, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I, I'm here to ask you 
some questions. I heard all these owls were coming to you, and and do you know how what this means for you, and how this important how important this can be? And I started crying. I just started crying on the phone. I said, you know, I have these incredibly magical experiences happen to me here in the forest by myself, but I don't have a tribe where I can go and say, grandfather. The owl just came to me, help me with this. So I'm sitting there with all these tears telling this man on the telephone who's living in the other side of the United States about, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm here to do anymore. And I said, I have a sweat lodge that I go into, that I invite people into. I pray for people. I'm not Native Canadian. I'm this white woman living here alone who ends up praying for people and sitting in my sweat lodge by myself and all these owls are showing up. And he said the most important thing to me in my life at that moment. He said, did you ever consider that that is your job here on this planet, that this is your purpose? Your purpose is to hold that space on Cortez Island in the forest praying for people. And it had never occurred to me. I thought I was supposed to be doing all these other worldly things that I wasn't doing, but that most people in the universe are doing. And, and uh, so the, the owl, I think all those owls coming to me helped me find my purpose, helped me explain one of the purposes that I feel that I have here. And um, so I, I was grateful to the owl, and the owl kept on coming. It, they didn't stop coming after that phone conversation. A guest came to visit me, and she had a basket, and she said, I brought you something, and in this basket wrapped up in this beautiful cloth was another owl that she'd found. And then I traveled to Mexico, and <laughs> a friend of mine gifted me with an owl feather, and there were other Native people in the town that heard that this person had given me an owl feather. And that created such a commotion because you don't just give an owl feather to someone. It's dangerous. And you make sure that that owl is cleaned and that, that you're clean. And I mean, here I was, I was just visiting on vacation and, and the owl feather is gifted to me and creates all this ceremony. And so it brings you, I think the owl for me brought me to those places of ceremony, sanctity, um, sacredness, that these aren't random. These aren't random things happening. They have importance and, and that we need to honor the visitors. And the visitors were the bird tribes in my life. And the bird tribes came to help me find my purpose, remember the sacredness of all the beings and the gifts that are there for me. And so... That's how the owl has impacted my life. Oftentimes when people die, their um, relatives will experience visitations from, from their loved ones, and they come in the form of birds. And I've heard many, many stories about this from my family. My mom, my sister, whose son died, um, has come back with bird, birds coming and knocking on the window. And when Joanne Weiler died... For days, and I never had this ever happen in my house. I lived there for 37 years. This um, Stellar's Jay kept coming to the window and knocking on with his beak on the window. And I knew it was Joanne. 
And I've heard many stories about that happening with the birds coming in the form of the spirit of the person who's passed on. Well, I wanted to share my owl story about, um, was in the year 2000, and I'd just come back from Victoria, dropping Norm off to go back to university. And I was, you know, probably for the first time in my life looking at being alone, living alone for that winter and spring. So I came home and uh, I sat on the couch and immediately fell asleep, which is my want. And uh, I was awakened by this tremendous um, shaking and loud noise. I thought a tree had fallen on my house. And I leapt up and ran to the window. And as I looked out over my garden, there were a hundred crows and ravens circling. No, they were all crows circling and cawing and like chaos out there. And I, I was just so confused. And then as I'm looking at them, one of them starts coming right for me at the window, this crow, and backing off and coming again. And and then I look down and there's a barred owl. That's what had hit the window. That's what had shaken the house. And it had just slumped with one wing up on a chair, and I thought, you know, it was dead. And of course, the crows were chasing it, and in the daylight, which is so unusual, and they, that's what was causing all the the commotion with the crows. And they kept dive bombing at the at the bird, at the owl, and one came very close, and the owl pulled in its wing that was hung up on this chair and I realized it was alive and it was, you know, literally 12 inches away from me. There was just the pane of glass between us. So I didn't want to frighten it more. So I went to a side window where I could see it and it slowly was regaining its consciousness. And at a certain moment, I tapped on the window and this beautiful head just swung around and we locked eyes. And at that moment, I just knew it was a female and the barred owl has these amazing black pools of, of uh, oh, I don't know, but there's no yellow ring around it like an intense owl eye. They're just these black pools of love, really. And we just locked into this embrace. And it was my first and really only um, experience of that total connection with a wild being. It was so exciting. And, um, but then, of course, the, the crows got the attention of the owl again. And, you know, uh, and then at another quiet moment, I did the same thing. I knocked on the window and, and uh, again, a swoop. I could almost hear the sound of the head turning and we, we embraced our gaze again. And, um, and then my phone rang and <laughs> I, I went to get it because I didn't want it to disturb the owl. <laughs> and in that moment, she flew away. And... And of course the crows went also. So I went out into onto the porch 
and I could see the evidence of her, her um, you know, she had relieved herself. There was this splat of owl shit on the, on the deck. And then as I turned to look at the window, I could see her whole impression, like the force of her wings and the force of the hit against the window, all the dust and the oil from her feathers had made this imprint on the window. And uh, it had an amazing effect. I photographed it. I never washed my window for a couple of years. And then I went to art school the next year and I drew, I made art pieces about that image. And, um, but the really, after it was all over and I went and sat with it, I felt like it was a visitation, a true visitation uh, from my mother. And my mother had died in 1977 and um, at the age of 60. And um, after her passing, um, one of my brothers and one of my sisters, I have three of each, um, but my mother visited them in certain ways. And I was always so sad, I think, that I had never had that experience of this visitation from my mother. And I felt she came to me that day with, with the owl. So that's an amazing story for me. You know, and, and that's why I, like, I think of us as, as so privileged, because we get to live in this wilderness. And if we pay attention, like you're doing with your story here, with the owl, you've made it the um, the doorway for your transformation. You've made it because you know that. You already have that in you. You know how to work with these things. And so that's the gift. Months later, I sat across from a Clahoos elder at the beautiful Clahoos multi-purpose building on Cortez Island. After hearing the story about our collision with the owl, she offered her words of wisdom. The owl is letting you know someone who died earlier is okay now. They had a safe passage. As she looked into my eyes, I knew and felt her truth on a very deep level. I told the same story of our collision to Art's 94-year-old mother, Muriel, this Christmas. I told her what the wise elder had said. I could see her beautiful, clear, blue eyes watering. Fifty years ago, Laura Jean, Art's sister, had also been hit by a car and killed when she was five years old and Art was just a little bit older. Art was there when this happened. Art's mother, Muriel, said a day hadn't gone by when she doesn't think about her precious little girl and hoped she would be with her again one day. We talked about the last time she took Laura Jean shopping for her red Christmas outfit and for the string of rainbow-colored glass lifesavers and other sweet ornaments we inherited when Muriel moved to an assisted living home and Christmas moved into our home. As we sat by the fireplace, admiring the tree and reminiscing, there was a sense of peace that seemed to wash over us. Fifty years later, an owl brings a heartfelt New Year's Day sign to a brother and then a mother 
who had suffered an unbearable loss. In my heart, I believe that owl also had a safe passage. It's been almost a year since that frosty New Year's morning, and on this New Year's Day, one year later, I will wake up early with my husband, our daughter, and our new Scotty puppy on Cortez Island, where stories like this one are never, ever lost, and where meaning and love is always found again and again. Thanks to writer-producer Annie Rosenberg for this edition of Deep Roots. Technical help from Rob Selmanovic and Sean Cowell. Deep Roots senior producer is Greg Osoba. Cortez Community Radio is grateful to the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Victoria Foundation, other donors, and the Clahoose First Nation for their support. More information about the series can be found at cortezradio.ca.